This is episode number 279 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hello, friends. It's Jesse. I want to be sure you know that I'm hosting a free live workshop this Thursday, March 30th called Beyond the Kegel. It is for current or aspiring fitness or health professionals who work in absolutely any modality. I'm going to be teaching you why we need to ditch the constant overuse of Kegels for pelvic floor training, and instead how you can teach your pregnant, postpartum, and pelvic health clients proven core and pelvic floor exercises that will rapidly improve their function in their abdomen, in the pelvic floor itself, but in the whole body as well. This is a free live workshop happening one time only on Thursday, March 30th. You can join me live at 11 a.m. Eastern or 8 a.m. Pacific. And yes, we'll be sending a replay to anyone who registers who is not able to attend. On the workshop itself, I'm going to be teaching you how to train or treat your fitness and pelvic health clients after birth in an evidence-based manner. You're going to learn why you can move on from using Kegels as a fix-all for pelvic floor symptoms that are causing your clients distress and body anxiety, including diastasis recti, pelvic organ prolapse, leaking, low back pain. And finally, we are actually going to be demoing through my top three must-do movements that I recommend you teach your pregnant and postpartum clients that you work with or hope to be working with in the future for immediate improvements in their pelvic health. And these are from my 15 plus years of coaching experience with perinatal and pelvic health populations. These movements will move the dial in the short and the long-term, more so than simply prescribing Kegels will. So I really hope to see you live at Beyond the Kegel on March 30th to register. You can go to programs.jessimundell.com slash Kegel. You'll find that link in today's show notes as well. Hello, friends. Welcome on to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell, and I am so jazzed to have Lindsay Dorka here with us today. Welcome, Lindsay, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk with you. Yes. Okay. So we'll get into all the things that you do and what you help Mm -hmm. your folks with. But first, I just want to tell the people that the reason that I found you on the internet, as I find all the people, is (laughs) (laughs) a mutual colleague and friend of ours, Haley, was 
I think sharing about your work, sharing about a webinar on pelvic pain that maybe the two of you were co-hosting together or you were hosting it. Yeah. I was hosting it on her platform. Okay. Okay. Cool. Mm -hmm. And then I sent it to my sister (laughs) to attend the webinar workshop because she has struggled with pain things for a long time, years and Mm -hmm. years. And I just thought it'd be super helpful for her because the way in which you speak about pain, pelvic pain in particular, is very different than what might be (laughs) traditionally happening within our industries, pelvic health, perinatal health, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And she loved it. She loved, yes, the way you spoke about pain. She implemented things immediately that really helped her. So I was just like- Awesome. We got to talk about this more so we can get this information to our community too. So Lindsay, why don't you introduce yourself and tell the folks what you do for your professional work? Yeah. yeah. So um, I'll do like a brief background too. So um, I'm an occupational therapist by trade. Um, I think a lot of people think pelvic health and they think physical therapist. Um, we, you know, a lot of times do the same thing. We have to go through the same training post, um, you know, education. Um, it's all continuing ed. You don't come out of school being able to just jump into the pelvic health world. Um, and so as I've started practicing, I really connected with a lot of my pelvic pain clients, partly because I myself have dealt with chronic pelvic pain. So I had um, SI joint pain for like seven years. It was awful. Um, I did all the right things, right? I went to more orthopedic therapists. I went to pelvic floor therapists. I saw chiropractors. I had imaging done. Um, I never thankfully got injections because I just wasn't ready for that route. Um, and then I was also super frustrated because I'm like, this is what I do. How can I not fix myself? Right. Um, stumbled across, I don't even remember how, honestly, the whole mind body world for overcoming chronic pain. And I worked with a coach myself and it was life-changing. Um, also completely changed the way that I practice with my clients and clients who before were plateauing or really struggling to see a lot of results suddenly got so much better, um, which was amazing. And so um, what's also really cool is I had a few in-person clients who were like, didn't really want me to be hands-on. And so I don't know if, you know, many of you have been to a pelvic floor therapist, but a lot of it is very hands-on traditionally. Um, So I was like, okay, cool. Let's do this. I'm not going to touch you. at all. And she got better. Um, so I was like, Oh, I can do this virtually. I don't have to do this with people in my clinic. Um, and that kind of then expanded to, Oh, I don't have to limit this to people in the United States. I can do this anywhere. Right. Cause virtual accessible anywhere. Um, so it just kind of expanded into this virtual coaching offering, which has been so rewarding and also just like amazing to help women have a more holistic option to overcome their pain, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Cool. Yeah. So for your pain, the SI joint pain, did that start in pregnancy postpartum for you or beforehand? No. So it actually started a couple of years, I think, before I got pregnant. I associated it with um, like an overuse injury for running, as we do, (laughs) when a lot of, you know, if you're like training for something, you know, we think that overuse, right? Um, nothing helped. And then pregnancy definitely made things worse. Um, postpartum also made things worse. Um, knowing now what I know, I suffered severe postpartum anxiety and depression. Those things in itself wholeheartedly made my symptoms significantly worse. Um, yeah. So, but once I completely got rid of doing all of the traditional physical approaches to overcoming that, I started seeing results, which is crazy. I love it. And that's really what I want to dial in with you about because I think people need to hear this. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Start with when you were going to see those other practitioners, physio, chiro, et cetera. What were the things that they were telling you to do or to not do? Yeah. And so let me even start with like, what were they telling me was wrong? Right. So they were always telling me like, okay, well, your posture is off, your alignment is off. Um, you know, maybe like one hip bone is sitting higher than the other or something crazy. Um, and your, your muscles on this side of your body are like rock hard compared to the muscles over here. Um, and so a lot of what we did was manual therapy. So, you know, things like dry needling or cupping, um, release work adjustments, and they would provide relief, but it was very temporary. Everything would just go right back. And traditionally, you know, those are followed up with corrective exercises to fix the imbalances that we have. And the corrective exercises felt like shit. (laughs) Like they never, (laughs) I was like, I don't feel them working what they, you're telling me they should be working. And they were like, well, you're doing them right. Like, Okay. So I would just, you know, keep on keeping on thinking that eventually they would work and they never did. But I felt like I got into this kind of obsessive spiral of constantly needing to do release work, constantly needing to be doing just rehab exercises, um, without getting anywhere (laughs) for seven years. Yes. And those rehab exercises, they were probably things we would think of as, you know, low level exercises that weren't, you know, physically challenging you in quite a way that felt difficult maybe. Mm. And so then what I find is for our clients in the fitness and strength coaching work that we do, they have come from that place a lot of the time and they feel very scared of doing more because they're like, I'm doing these little baby exercises and I still feel like shit. So I'm so scared to touch those weights to get back to more intense exercises or activities that they love and want to do, but there's just so much fear. And is that how you felt too? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, the first time I like started adding more load, I did have pain knowing what I know now. It wasn't because of what I was doing. It was because I was terrified. (laughs) Um, And so let me like explain pain a little bit, how I explain it to my clients, right? So pain, all pain, even if you burn your hand on the stove, right? Pain is 
your brain's perception of what is happening. It is an alarm signal. Um, a lot of times when it comes to chronic pain, there is no actual tissue damage anymore, but that alarm signal is still getting triggered by things like stress, a lot of stress, um, a fear response, you guarding and being terrified to do something. Those things in itself can, can like contribute to the pain cycle happening over and over again. Um, our bodies are really resilient. I don't feel like the medical system um, promotes that well enough. Tissue heals. Overuse injuries heal. Like you should not be dealing with an overuse injury for more than a few months. If you are continuing to have pain, you have likely gone into this, you know, chronic pain cycle. And so we need to go beyond the physical. We need to address what your brain is perceiving and we need to help give it safety. Yeah. Yeah. Super helpful. And so many of our folks listening in are postpartum people. They are parents, especially within that first five-year window of parenthood, like we were talking about before we started recording. Yes. <laughs> Both of us have kids <laughs> five and under. Can you talk about your experience then postpartum with the anxiety, with the depression and why you think that related to your pain ramping up, continuing? Yeah, absolutely. So um I mean, I will tell you, it was like one of the worst times of my life, right? It's yeah. so, I don't think people talk enough or give enough credit to a mom in the postpartum phase. Um, your whole life has changed. Even if you aren't dealing with, you know, a postpartum mood disorder, um, everything is different you, your identity has changed. A lot of times you don't have time for yourself or, you know, true self-care becomes things like, I'm just going to take a shower. Like, no, <laughs> that is, that's hygiene. That's hygiene. Necessity, right. <laughs> that is that it should not be just self-care. Um, and so in my experience, that overly stressed nervous system, um, really just ramped up all of my nervous system sensitivity in general. So then of course I'm going to have more pain. Like I'm hypersensitive to everything. Um, throw in like kids are challenging. <laughs> I love my daughter very much. She's challenging sometimes. She's very sassy. She has red hair. I don't know if that's where it comes <laughs> from, <laughs> but I mean, like temper tantrums. I started to notice patterns, right? So if she threw a temper tantrum, I would have a pain flare. Um, if she wasn't sleeping well, and then I wasn't sleeping well, and then I was more irritable, I would have a pain flare. Um, you know, and of course I would always be like, okay, what did I do wrong physically? Nothing. I did nothing wrong. Nothing changed. It was, it was more related to my stress response and how I was managing or not managing my emotions. Um, I think that's another big piece of it. You know, we can, we can talk about stress. That's great. But society often has taught us that we need to shove our emotions to the side. <laughs> um, and, you know, not express them or, you know, especially the, the darker emotions, you know, sadness, grief, anger. Um, when in reality, when we continue to kind of let those things simmer, a lot of times it's going to come out 
as a symptom in the body. Um, maybe it's chronic constipation, maybe it's chronic pain, maybe it's headaches. So all I was experiencing all of that. Um, and so once I started to get all of that under control, my pain started improving. It's so interesting. And people are probably shaking in their heads. Yeah. Like, yes. Sounds familiar. <laughs> The thing that pisses me off about this too is imagining folks going through early postpartum times right now, even the first few years, again, five years, like we were talking about, it is just so intense for so long in our culture and society, especially in the United States where you are, I'm in Canada, slightly Mm -hmm. different, still many struggles to birthing postpartum and parenting people. And we're just living in this capitalist society that there is like, we just feel like we have to keep going. We have to keep running. There's no time to stop and feel your feelings. Like what a waste of time that would be. (laughs) Which we know is like, we know it's so harmful. We know Mm -hmm. it's so dangerous on all levels of our ability to live. Yep. But then there, what do postpartum people do? Like, where do you start to unravel this shitstorm? Yeah, right. Great question. <laughs> and so, first, also let me tell you, so many of my clients come to me and they're like, "Well, I'm not that stressed." Yes. And I'm like, "Okay, we'll get to that in a minute, right?" <laughs> I think I think some of us have been in this go 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 state for so long that it doesn't feel like stress anymore because it's our new norm Yeah, and relaxing can almost feel more stressful. So, you know, a lot of times when I'm starting with my clients, we don't even start by addressing pain because we have to start with your nervous system. Um, if you are stuck in this state of fight or flight, you're going to have a really hard time healing like not only your pain, but especially if you're early postpartum, like you're going to have a hard time healing your body because your brain can't devote what it needs to devote to be able to do that. And so, you know, people are always like, well, I can't get rid of my stress. I'm like, no, you can't, right. We can't change your stress necessarily. Um, and your nervous system should go into states of fight or flight, but it shouldn't stay there. So we want to create more nervous system resiliency or stress resiliency. And a lot of ways to do that are really simple. It's tuning into how is your body feeling, right? So we have different nervous system states. Are you in a state of fight where it's more of that like heart racing, like gripping everywhere, um, a lot of tension, Are you in flight mode where maybe you're panicky? You feel like you want to escape. You would probably do some very different things to calm those down. Um, A lot of it is super simple. You can just start with breathing. Now, the problem is all my pelvic floor clients come to me and they're like, okay, so I'm going to breathe for my pelvic floor. I'm like, no, we're like, we're not worrying about your pelvic floor when we're thinking about nervous system breathing. So when we are in this kind of state of fight or flight, we don't know how to exhale very well. A lot of us take, we can take maybe a long inhale and then we like can't get all of the air out. 
Um, and that's showing this like hyperinflation, this fight or flight state. So even just slowing your exhale down, making your exhale twice as long as your inhale, doing maybe like four second inhale, um, eight second exhale, do that five times. How do you feel? Like sometimes people are like, oh, <laughs> what? I love when I get a client to yawn. I'm like, yes, we just activated your rest and digest system. <laughs> um, I know it's so crazy. And, you know, a lot of times too, um, have you heard of grounding techniques? Yes, but definitely explain them. Yeah. So some people like, I feel like a lot of people right now hear grounding and they're like, it's like going out and putting your feet in the earth. I'm like, well, that is one way to do grounding, not something I want to do in the middle of the winter here. In <laughs> so, um, basically a grounding technique is anything we can do to bring your attention to the exact moment in the present, right? Um, with pain and postpartum, a lot of times we are thinking about something that already happened or we're worried about something that's going to happen. Not productive, not helpful. So can we bring our awareness to the present moment? So there are ways to do that with our body. Um, we can Press our feet really firmly into the ground, squeeze your toes really hard, relax them, pay attention to what it feels like. Can you make a fist, squeeze as hard as you can, relax? What does it feel like? So literally we're just bringing your brain's attention to the current moment with your body. It can be super calming. Um, one of my favorite ways too, is to use all five senses. So in your surroundings, can you identify five things you can see? four things you can touch, three things you can hear, um, two things you can smell and something you can taste. I always tell people taste, take it or leave it. Don't go like, like you have to lick something if there's nothing around. <laughs> um, or maybe, you know, if you have a residual taste in your mouth from something you recently ate or drank. Um, when I first started practicing that, I was surprised how much I just started appreciating my surroundings more. Um, I feel like we we go through life, not paying attention to what's mm -hmm. happening. Um, so those are a couple of really great ways. I like to start with just basic nervous system regulation. So you can start to feel like what more of that neutral feels like in your body. Um, cause, cause you have to be able to recognize it before you can change it. Yeah, exactly. And I was just thinking about what you said that so many of your people come in and they're like, I'm not stressed. Like, this is okay. This is an okay time for me. Yeah. But then when they might do those grounding techniques, mm -hmm. then they're like, oh, Ooh. this is what you meant. Yes. Yeah. They all come back and they're like, okay, I'm more stressed than I thought I was. Like, I know you are. <laughs> yes. I know you yeah. Are. <laughs> and as you're describing those, I mean, those are techniques that I've learned in therapy, in mental health mm -hmm. counseling, yeah. it makes sense that we would be working on the same stuff when we're talking about mental health and the physical body. Those things cannot be separated. Right. Right. And I think a lot of people hear mind-body approach to pain and they're like, you're telling me my pain is in my head. No, I'm not. I hate that. Um, I would like to think that if, you know, someone is telling you that they, they are trying to get at the mind body connection. Um, but they're saying it in a very insensitive way, <laughs> um, you're not making up your pain. And I think a lot of people think 
that's what they're being told. When in reality, like you said, you cannot separate the brain and the nervous system from what's happening in the body. And so, especially with chronic pain, you can't only treat the physical and expect to see lasting results. You, yes. you have to address both components. And more often than not, the physical piece will resolve when you address the other stuff. You may not even have to do much physically. Yes. Yes. And this is what we find with our clients, pregnant and postpartum, any stage postpartum so often is that they too have heard things like they need to fix their body alignment. They need to fix their posture. They need to, you know, always be lifting and living in this stack body position with the ribs over hips and so many things about the physical body that they have heard is wrong, needs to be fixed, especially postpartum because pregnancy effed up their body in all of these ways. And that's why they're having all this public floor trouble now. Speak about that a little bit more because that's where my training came from. I taught trainers about that stuff for a long time too, and then dove into this world and burnt down every belief I had and think very differently (laughs) now. So yeah, tell us about that, like fix your posture, fix your breathing, fix your body alignment. Why does that stuff not stick? Yeah. So it doesn't stick in my opinion, because it's just not getting to the root cause of why you're having pain. Right. And so here's also sometimes how I separate, um, because people will hear, right. That stacked position is going to help my pelvic floor function. So I love teaching a stocked position or alignment and posture when I'm trying to get my client to tune in with what's happening in their core and their pelvic floor, because it's the easiest position to access those things in and to feel them. Right. But we don't live in those positions and we can't expect someone to constantly stay there. So then I think even outside of pain, we need to start then training in other positions once you get the foundations down, right? The other thing I tell people is that, you know, alignment, posture, all of that is great for function. It doesn't mean anything when it comes to pain. And I think that can be like a hard, a hard concept to grasp. Um, And people, when people are like, right, like, well, I was told I need to be in this position. And I'm like, okay, I'm looking at that person over there who's in a way more exaggerated position and they have zero pain. So like, that doesn't make sense to me. So none of those things equal pain or pain relief. Um, and again, it kind of, kind of like comes back to that fear response, right? If someone tells you, you need to be doing all of these things. I have a client right now with chronic low back pain, postpartum, feeling like she has to stay in the stacked position all day long. And she is gripping everything for dear life to try to maintain that position. That's not helping. That's not helping her pain. It's also not helping like her pelvic floor. Like she's leaking because she's gripping everywhere. Um, So I like, again, to bring back the idea that like our bodies are resilient. Like yeah, if you're going to pick up 300 pounds or, you know, you're going to lift heavy, we, we care about your alignment and your posture. Yes. But day-to-day life, we need to just help you feel 
comfortable moving in and out of positions. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And something that you hit on was, you know, learning the foundations about body alignment, posture, how your core and pelvic floor work, how your breath works. Those foundations are super important. It's not like we're just throwing out all ideas of biomechanics and saying like, none of this matters ever. Right. It does. The issue is that we probably don't need to stay with those, like we were saying earlier, the little baby exercises Mm -hmm. for months and months until someone gets it. We probably need to move people on quickly mm-hmm. like within sessions within weeks maybe within months for some folks but we should be able to move things along for most people pretty quickly not only staying with the breathing exercises with the heel slides mm-hmm. with the glute bridges those things are great and i am a huge proponent of exercises that can be done lying down chill, relaxed. It's what I enjoy (laughs) with your children on the floor next to you. Exactly. Yeah. But how can we begin to help people feel confident and capable in their bodies sooner? Mm -hmm. That's magical. It's so magical. And what I noticed in my own body, right? Cause I felt like I couldn't progress beyond these low level exercises. Or if I was lifting, I was lifting 10 pounds and I'm like, I have a 50 pound child. This doesn't make sense. Um, was that once I learned about how pain works, once I learned about my nervous system, once I started changing my mindset towards pain, which these are all things I address with my clients, suddenly I could start doing more exercises and they didn't bother me anymore. So it was almost like everything mind mind and nervous system and brain related was preventing my body from tolerating even the low level exercises. And so once I could start decreasing that like nervous system, hypersensitivity, that tissue sensitivity, everything just started falling together. Like exercises that had been challenging before I was like, Oh, I can blow through that. And like a week now I can progress. I was like, what is this? This is magic. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. I would love if you would also speak to, so let's say someone is following a four week training plan. They have a couple of strength training workouts that they're cycling through during that time. Mm -hmm. And one week they have felt really good during and after the workout, the next week they're doing the same workouts but maybe they felt crappy the next day, two days, maybe their back pain or their pelvic pain ramped up. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes they will think I did something wrong. My technique was bad. What do you say to them? Great question. Yeah. So, um, I tell them more than likely it is not any of the movement you were doing. It is what has been happening in your life. So I tell people, think about has anything even just a little bit more stressful been happening in the days before that day or something you're anticipating coming up, especially with, um, parents, like how's your sleep been? Like, was your sleep interrupted for like the three nights before this week? Um, that's absolutely going to impact how your nervous system responds to things. Um, 
did you feel a twinge of something during a workout? And then you started freaking out and you started wondering, oh no, what did I do? But you kept going anyway. Sometimes just that fear or that thought can actually create the outcome that you're anticipating. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important for people to know. Mm -hmm. Last question I want to ask you for the professionals who are listening in, if they are or want to be working more in this manner with their clients or patients, but maybe they start to get some pushback or resistance from people, how do you deal with that? Yeah. And so do you mean pushback or resistance like from their clients or from other professionals, from their clients? Yeah. So it's a very delicate balance for sure. Um, there, you kind of have to feel your client out and, you know, I, in general, even before I started doing a lot of this, I always wanted to see what people, what their stress was like, what, you know, their emotions were like, I don't know if part of that is more of my occupational therapist background, or I just look at the mental health perspective a little closer. Um, but sometimes even just like asking those questions and seeing where they're at and not necessarily relating them to their symptom um, can be helpful. Another thing is I've I've changed my language a lot with how I talk about pain with my clients. So if I can tell that they're not ready for a full-on mind-body approach. Um, and they just want release work, right? So I've started telling them, um, cause this is true <laughs> research shows this, right? So I'm not actually releasing your muscle, right? I'm not releasing your fascia. I'm not manipulating your joint. I'm interacting with your nervous system and your nervous system is responding in a way that's going to make this area feel better. Um, and so I'm, I'm started just even changing my language and that then helps to bring in more buy-in later on when I might be like, Hey, have you considered, let me drop a little, you know, question here. Like, have you considered that, you know, your pain is flaring more when you have a lot more going on in your home life. And they'll be like, huh? No, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so sometimes those patients do take a little bit longer, I feel like, but you, you can't push, you can't push the process on someone. If they're not ready to hear it, it's not going to work for them. Yeah, that's exactly it. We're not going to make progress if we're right. just trying to convince and convince. Right. Cool. Oh my gosh, Lindsay, that was so fun to get your perspective. Is there anything else that we didn't hit on that you think would be important for people to know about pelvic Mm -hmm. pain or how they can work with their own? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I know because I you get a lot of postpartum um people. Um I feel like a big thing with painful sex any at any time, but even postpartum is you'll, you'll hear from physicians, right? Like just drink some wine or like, just relax, use some lube. Um, all things I hate lube is not bad, but like not always the answer to, to your pain. Um, and some of my clients have just been told, I just need to do all of this internal stretching, right? All of this internal release work. Um, specifically people who have had a lot of birth trauma, 
we probably need to really process that trauma and how it's coming out in your body. Um, not do internal stretches because once we can help your body recognize that nothing bad is going to happen down there with any sort of penetration, it's going to relax on its own. Yeah, that was absolutely my first postpartum experience Mm. with birth trauma, having pain with sex. And then also it persisting with the fears of potentially getting pregnant again and being like terrified of that possibility. Yeah. Yeah. There's so Mm -hmm. much there that we have to sort through. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Lindsay, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah. So on Instagram, I am at anchor pelvic health. Um, it's probably truthfully the easiest way to find me. Um, you can also email me, um, Lindsay at anchor pelvic health.com. Lindsay is spelled L I N D S A Y. It's not an E Y. <laughs> um, yeah, that's probably the easiest way to contact me. I'm always happy to chat. Cool. We will link it in the show notes. And I highly recommend you go follow Lindsay because you will feel so much better about yourself. No, thank (laughs) you. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 